Welcome to Election Profit Makers, your guide to everything under the sun. Having fun getting things done. Election Profit Makers, we're number one. It's the final episode. <laughs> it's the last episode of the, our beloved year of 2020. So let's celebrate the best and worst of 2020 with our year in review. John, name your top 20 must-have memories of 2020. <laughs> I, I can't. I, uh, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do any type of overarching year in review. We figure that you've already been inundated with such content. What we are going to do this week is what we do every week, and we do it better than anyone has ever done it before. We talk about what's on our minds. We look at the markets. We invest. We win money. We answer listener questions. We start new romances through missed connections, and we tear them asunder because we're capricious gods. We talk about effects pedals. We talk about politics. We talk about things no one has ever talked about before in this format. It's a podcast format. It's the hot stuff. Ooh, don't touch it with your fingertip. You might get a sizzle or a burn. Don't want to go into 2021 with Band-Aids on your fingers. Uh, context, it's Sunday afternoon here in L.A. Zero percent capacity in the ICUs all across Southern California, so that's not great. We order everyone to stay at home. That's fine. You can have fun listening to us talk on this podcast nonstop, a mile a minute. I'm going hard. I'm in the paint, and Cocaine City has elected a new mayor. That's right. C'est moi, the first French mayor of Cocaine City. So, hey, everybody, I'm David Reese, and I'm joined with Starley and John. Let's get to it. That was good. <laughs> I can't believe this year's almost over. I, I feel, oh, what a, what a year. What a year, 2020. Best year of our lives. Best year. You know, actually, I was making a list earlier today of my best and worst years, and I think 2020 is third worst year of my life. Do you really make that list? In my mind, I was thinking, what are the five worst years of my life? I'm going to rank them. 2020 was the worst. Was the worst or third worst? I mean, no, 2020 was the third worst. Can you say why the other two were worse or do you not no, want to? No, <laughs> I cannot. I will just say that I was lucky enough in 2020, in spite of many unhappy things happening, to be spared the full horrors of this year. And I'm very grateful for that. Obviously, it has taken a toll on me that will take me probably decades to fully understand and recognize and reconcile and heal from. But 2020, you weren't the worst year of my life. It wasn't my worst year either. Not my worst year either. I've had worse. Me too. So EPM. <laughs> so 2020 tried its hardest to break election profit makers, but it couldn't. It didn't even crack the top worst year of any of us. All three of us had worse years than 2020. So 2020. Bye-bye 2020. Bye-bye 2020. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy. That's <laughs> right, John. Go home to mommy 2020. You're done. Maybe that's the glue that bonds the three of us, that we've all had trauma greater than the year 2020. And so then we came together in order to cope and face off with 2020. That's right. 2020 blinked. Now, I'm not saying 2020 didn't suck. 2020 was definitely a bad year. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. It was <laughs> I'm, I'm ready for it to end. Yeah. Not, I, don't, I don't need it to stick around any longer. Four more days. I'm worried about the ramifications of 2020 on the rest of my life. Really? Yeah. I'm worried about the lessons I learned from 2020 and how I'm going to apply them for the rest of my life. Oh. Oh, that's interesting. That wasn't on our topic discussion. What were the lessons you learned from 2020? You want the good ones or the bad ones? Start with a good one. Let's start with a good one. I mean, I think in some way, for as bad a year as 2020 was and is, uh, I did some healing in 2020. 
I do think the peace and quiet of 2020 was good for me. It was very lonely. I was very lonely. But, like, I haven't been able to, like, be creatively productive for a long time before 2020. And I felt within 2020, I, 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 I was, or at least I was, like, it, it made me ready to be, um, to, like, make things and do things. Um, and I think that was because That's great. Of, That's good. Yeah, and I think that was because of just being able to tune out so much. The, the, the pressure of the world leaving was helpful for me. The not missing out on stuff mm-hmm. and the not mm-hmm. feeling like I was yeah. failing up against people's um, achievements, that mm-hmm. was really good. Um, I don't think it was worth the cost of a global pandemic, but <laughs> right. And I found yeah. it really stimulating living through a pandemic. Uh, it's it's kind of the difference between this phase of the pandemic, which is just really scary and sad and has gone on too long, versus the beginning period where I was just so interested in everything that was happening because I couldn't believe right. it. I couldn't believe we were living through a right. pandemic together. How it crazy was exciting. Is that? Yeah. Kind of like, you know, 9-11 was exciting. You, you got to admit it. It sucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after, after. Just as something as spectacle, as something extraordinary. Yeah. Something that gets you your brain working in new ways because it's such an unfamiliar, colossal event. Yeah. The, stake, the stakes are really high, but if you're lucky enough to be able to view it from some sort of weird remove, it, it can be exciting. I think that makes sense. Yeah. I think 9-11 was more life-affirming. I don't know if I felt, this year felt life-affirming to me. It, (laughs) (laughs) like, I didn't, it didn't make me feel better about other people, about humanity. And I think 9-11 did make me feel better about, because in 9-11 it was so focused. It was like, those were the bad guys, or that's what we were told was the bad guys. I, I was probably naive, but I, and then also there were just people coming, you were able to go, it was all about going out, and being with each other, this is yeah, the opposite. Yeah, it was being with other people. Yeah, it was right. about yeah, being totally. together and Absolutely. helping each other heal together. This one, you had to heal yourself. Um, yeah. I spent a lot of this pandemic alone. And so I think it taught me good things about myself, but also made me, like, see things about other people that I didn't necessarily want to see. And that's what I feel like I'll carry into the future. That's the negative lesson you think you learned? Yeah, I'm just kind of disappointed in people. I'm disappointed that <laughs> disappointed people you let you let Starly down some of you people out there. Not EPM listeners, they're great. No, they they buoyed us. We love our yeah. we love our EPM listeners. You guys all did a terrific job. I think Starly is talking about some other people who maybe didn't do such a good job. I'm talking about the anti-mask people. Um mm-hmm. I'm talking about our leaders. And I'm talking about... Mm, I hate to hear you say that. I did feel a sense of abandonment in terms of... Um, it was a little It was a little um, unnerving to me how little s- people who had people seemed to need other people. And I think I'll not quite forget that. Huh. Maybe it kind of... It makes you realize how much of... This is going to sound kind of tautological, but Mm -hmm. maybe it's true. It makes you realize how much of your social life is socializing. Mm -hmm. And then if you're not actively socializing with people, they become obviously less of a presence in your life. And that can be really acute. 
I'm, I'm sure a lot of people felt it over this over this holiday season. God damn, you know, not getting to throw my arms around John Kimball in a warm embrace when I received his huge extravagant gift that he left for me. Yeah, you're welcome. I had to thank him, you know, remotely. It wasn't the same. John Kimball, God love this guy. What was the gift? We weren't going to talk about this. John Kimball literally spent all his predicted winnings on me. He bought me... <laughs> A PlayStation 5. He bought me a car. He's the one who needs a car. I woke up Christmas morning to a text from John. It said, look out your window, heart emoji. Look out my window. First thing I see, gigantic red ribbon on a car. I'm like, this can't be happening. I'm in a full-on car commercial right now. John Kimball got me a a Suzu Forester LXE with a six-CD changer. I go outside, I get in the car. I'm sitting in the car honking the horn. I'm so excited. I'm like when Trump was on that truck at the White House and I'm just like bopping up and down on my seat. I get another text from John. He says, open the trunk. I hop out of the car. I go around, open the trunk. <laughs> Brand new golf clubs, titanium. Four, four wedge irons and six putters. I mean, six putters. He's throwing money at me. He's, he's love bombing me. Wow. So... Were they Trump brand? They were not Ni- Trump brand. Nike. They were they were Nike. David's favorite brand. It's my favorite brand, Nike. <laughs> <laughs> and they were actually the James Comey autograph series of Nike golf clubs <laughs> for country club members who want to be part of the resistance. And so I was just so blessed, but I couldn't thank him because I couldn't, I mean, I could thank him remotely, but it's just different. What I'm saying is it was different not being able to see people this year. I, I, I would notice um, because... It was a global pandemic, and everybody had to deal with it. You couldn't, like, check in with someone and be like, I have this, like, decision I have to make. Can you help me, like, run the options? Right. They're like, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm actually kind of dealing with some other stuff right now, Starly. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure green wallpaper will be fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Stop worrying about it. That's what I worry about 2021 is that everybody is going to suddenly, you know, everything you've put off this year. Oh, God. Yep. Because you were like, yeah, I can't go get new eyeglasses or I can't go to the optometrist or... or the fucking dentist visit I'm going to yeah, have when dentist, all this is over? That dentist and is And then all be- of a sudden, at some point in 2021, it's going to be like everyone's going out and buying things and making appointments and getting the rat race. It's going to start up again, I think. I This is what I hope. I hope that we don't know how we're going to feel once this is over. The same way you can't anticipate how you're going to feel until something actually happens. That's what makes something an experience. And I hope that we're in a mindset we are right now where we just are like, we have to be inside. We've forgotten what it is to live. But when it actually ends for real, we actually do feel something different. And we do seize life in a different way than we did before. Because we did all just lose in one way or another a year of our lives, or we spent a year of our lives in a way that we hadn't planned. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I hope something comes over people that we can't anticipate and that it makes us, I don't know, care about each other more and care about just living more. But on the other hand, when the pandemic is over and everyone's going out and having fun and having their their dinner parties and their celebrations, we don't also want to then feel the additional pressure of, oh, well, now I have to go out because I've been cooped up for nine months. Of course I should feel happy about going out. You don't have to feel any I, I'm particular talking more, way. This has all been insane. Well, I'm talking more life force. Right. I, yeah. 
You don't mean let live life to the fullest like in a Coors commercial. Yeah. You're just talking about like, like I'm not like, saying you have to go we all have to become skydivers. We all have uh, to go bungee <laughs> jumping the, the minute this is all over. Massive bungee jumping party. I'm hoping it actually something like infuses us and we just are like this feels different we get to be outside not afraid of each other not afraid of getting sick and maybe mm-hmm. we'll, and maybe all the stuff that we spent time reflecting on this year comes out in ways that we we we, we don't know right now yeah and we actually feel alive in like a real not manufactured way that's my hope yeah i mean that would be Oh, my God. It's just so huge and overwhelming. It also feels kind of crazy to even try to talk about it, you know? I mean, 2020, what a year. I mean, what else is there to say? It kind of says it all. The way that um, the government is ending this year Uh (laughs) on the verge of a shutdown Uh is the most— Perfect. —end to this year. Yeah. Yes. It's tying it up with a bow. We're recording this on a Sunday afternoon. Um, The House and the Senate had had put together a stimulus bill that would— um, give us all, as we remember, uh, $600. It would extend unemployment insurance, and it would also fund the government. And then Trump, a couple days ago, said he wanted $2,000, and now he's threatening— Money-loving president. Uh, if not a veto, then to just sit on the bill and not sign it when it comes to his desk down at Mar-a-Lago, which I visited, gosh, coming up, I think, on four years ago next month. Was that the worst year? No. Oh. That was a rough one. That was a rough one. The vice president, Mike Pence, is off skiing in Vail, Colorado. He flew from Washington, D.C. to Colorado to go skiing. You mean the vice president and head of the coronavirus task force. And, right. The head of the coronavirus task force is, is skiing in Colorado right now. And uh, I would just say it's a wonderful situation of a, of a highly functional democracy that helps its citizens and does a great job. Maybe everybody stops getting money and— um, Larry Summers' fears about $2,000 overheating the economy will, will not come to pass, thank God. We won't make the terrible risk of overheating this economy by giving people free money. God forbid this economy be hot <laughs> after 330,000 people died. It's hard to conceive of how sadistic and irresponsible and short-sighted so much of this is. <sighs> I was thinking about this maybe last week or a couple weeks ago. One night I was like really down in the dumps. And I was thinking, and obviously this is something that I don't have to think about that often because I'm a lucky duck. But it's like, man, this government truly doesn't care if I live or die. They're like, they truly do not give two shits about whether I'm alive or dead. They just don't care. And obviously, they don't care about a lot of people, but it really hit me, and it was, I have to say, it was kind of dispiriting. It was a really discouraging feeling. I know. Like, goddamn, I'm sending you all these taxes and, and voting and stuff, and you truly just don't care if, if we get unemployment insurance or if the hospitals are filled up, you know, or if, like, people don't understand why you need to wear a mask or whatever. Like, they truly just don't give a fuck. It's really, it's really, really hard If you're a lucky person like me, middle-aged white guy, number one guy in the eyes of the government, but when it hits you like that, and obviously I felt this before, you know, but it's like, that's like a really hard feeling to live with. Like, God damn, like Mike Pence, the head of the COVID task force, just went on a fucking ski trip. Over 300,000 people died. The government might shut down on Monday and Mike Pence is off skiing. Well, Mike Pence knows 
that he's in his YOLO stage because <laughs> everything ends for Mike Pence on January 6th when he has to preside over the counting of the electoral college votes. Is he going to be having fun that day? And is anybody going to be leaning yeah. on him very hard that day? <laughs> is his boss going to be calling him very hard the night before? <laughs> he is a dead man walking in a sense. So yeah, maybe he's just thrown in the towel. He's like, I don't care, man. Not my problem. God, January 6th is going to be so exciting, John. How are you going to game that out? Are you going to make any investments when they certify the election results and make it absolutely double, triple, quadruple times final and official? I don't know. You know, there's, there's there are actually some markets on how many senators will get involved, but I, I haven't been in any of them, as you know. So yeah, I don't know. I think, I think I'm just going to watch it and, and watch it not from like a financial standpoint. Just watch it for the excitement. The spectacle. For the awfulness. The, the fantasy is that Mike Pence shows up to certify the electoral college votes, right? And then he says, I do not certify this, this fraudulent election. I certify Donald Trump as the president for the next four years. And then Joe Biden goes home and cries. Yes, they believe that that's an option. That Mike Pence has actual authority in this matter rather than just like, this is basically like Mike Pence showing up with a big oversized check at your front door. That check is not actual money. They're just a figurehead doing something that's already been done. But they think Mike right. Pence has superpowers that he can decide who the president is going to be. Is he actually loyal to Trump, though? Even if he had the power to do that, would he do that? Well, this is why I think the next month is going to be so crazy, because now we're close enough to the end of Trump's presidency that everybody, I think, is recalculating all these allegiances that they've made to Trump over the past four years out of naked political uh, advantage. And now it's like, I don't know, does it help you to go down with Trump, you know, and burn out, flame out like Giuliani is doing and Sidney Powell and all these other cool people? Lindsey Graham this weekend being like, yeah, actually, I played golf with Trump. He's right. It should be $2,000. I don't know what we were thinking voting on $600. Like, Lindsey Graham is still all in on Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty yeah. amazing. Because I don't, Lindsey Graham doesn't know what the next star he's going to hitch his wagon to is yet. So that means he's got to stay with Trump. Does it hurt Trump's uh, image if he, and I'm talking about his image in terms of how his, he's got sway to help these politicians in their next elections. If this bill collapses because of the $2,000, are Trump's followers still, are they falling for it? Are they saying, yeah, he wants to give us $2,000, all hail the king? Or do they, are they finally uh, frustrated by this? Well, we're going to see this play out in Georgia, right? Because now Purdue and Leffler are in this weird situation of, okay, do we now say that we also want the government to give everyone $2,000 because Trump is saying that? Or do we break with Trump and say, we don't want that money, and maybe that will blow back on us. Because it's hard, you know, it's like Trump is being kind of erratic and impulsive. I know that's out of character for him, <laughs> but these last couple days have just been like, it's like, who knows? Tomorrow he might be like, no money, don't give anybody any money. He's just thrashing around and burning everything down because he's upset. I think he's really upset. I think the results of this election have really gotten under his skin. <laughs> and I really think that's true. And John, I don't know why you're laughing because I think when you read between the lines, he's bothered by this election. No, you're right. I think you're right. He is upset. How did he arrive at $2,000? Why that number? Why didn't he just go to 10? I know. If he had come out and said a million dollars, I would have been like, Donald Trump, I never thought I would say this, but MAGA for life, you're going to give everyone a million dollars? Hell yes. 
God, I would do that almost just to spite Larry Summers. I would almost side with Trump to spite Larry Summers over that. Be like, you're trying to overheat the economy. You can come overheat these completed <laughs> nuts. I'm getting a million dollars a month, Larry Summers. There's not a damn oh thing you can God. do about it. Subaru's for you everyone. Think that would overheat the economy? That would be so Good awesome. Lord. Oh, my God. <laughs> the takeout I would be ordering. I would order nachos for fucking dessert. I mean, would it, yeah. If everybody got a million dollars, I would love just to see it because it would, the economy would be destroyed overnight. It really would be. The money would just be worth nothing, right? I'm just thinking about our Patreon. Oh, my God. Imagine logging on to Patreon. All our listeners realize yeah. they're getting a million dollars a month. Some of them are like, yeah, I'm going to bump it up to $10 a month. <laughs> election profit makers. I can afford that now. I would just log on and look at our numbers and hit refresh and watch it go up, 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 up. I would be so happy. Oh, my God. The shoes I would buy. The belt buckles I would buy. <laughs> the, the winter hats with flaps that go down over your ears and snap under your chin. Oh, the salad days I would have if the government would give me a million dollars a month. Meanwhile, we're sitting here hoping that the government doesn't fucking shut down tomorrow and everybody stops getting their checks. Joe Biden talking about, we all got to come together. The time for unity is upon us. Let's all, it's like, Joe, you need to come out with a fucking machete and just go buck or I'll never vote for you again. Good God. I just wanted to talk really briefly about these presidential pardons because this is the whole reason yeah. why I wanted to keep my money in these markets because I knew that that the time between the election and the inauguration was going to be really dicey and crazy. Not only, of course— Did you make money? Well, John, I'm getting to that, and it's a little bit complicated. Um, yeah, life is complicated. Okay, Facebook. Yeah, I mean, it is. The government. The go- <laughs> Preach, man. I like where this is going. Preach. All right, I feel some wisdom's coming on. Let's hear what you got to say, John. What were you saying about the government? It's complicated. <laughs> Woo! Spitting hot fire. Hot fire coming through. All right, explain it. To, no. Explain the part. I want to us. hear more about this government you're talking about. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty complicated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't mince words, John. Just don't mince words, okay? This is all I wanted to say about these pardons. So, you know, last week, Trump pardoned some Blackwater murderers, shot a bunch of innocent people in, our, in Iraq. He's been pardoning monsters since fir- from, from his very first ever presidential pardon, I forgot, was Sheriff Joe Ar- Arpaio down in Arizona. Gross. On Wednesday, Trump, of course, pardoned Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, and Charles Kushner, a trifecta of cool dudes. Um... There was no Charles Kushner pardon market. There was a Paul Manafort market that I was not in, and I can't remember if there was still a Roger Stone market. But when the news of these pardons hit, man, I had to race over to my computer, open the screen, log on to Predicted, and check my portfolio. And sure enough, it had been bludgeoned once again as reality superseded my wishes and fantasies. Now... I have always held these markets about Trump and if something crazy is going to happen in these last few weeks, and I've discussed it ad nauseum, and I will do it again in the spirit of 2020. Will Trump complete his first term, yes or no? I've always said no. Will Trump self-pardon in his first term? I did an old flip-flop on that. Some of you will remember that I used to have no, Trump will not self-pardon because, quote-unquote, that would be too crazy. Now I am yes, Trump will self-pardon, unfortunately. Yeah. Even though his pardon streak is now burning hot, that market has now gone down, and I should have stayed in no, he will not self-pardon. Meanwhile, Will Giuliani, that's Rudy Giuliani, 
There's two Giuliani markets, and they both end on calendar year 2020. But then there's other markets like this. Will Trump self-pardon in his first term? And you have to remember that that market does not resolve at the end of 2020, that Trump's first term goes into 2021. So be very careful when you're betting on these markets about when they're going to resolve. What is Giuliani trading at? Okay, so here's, I'm going to give you the two, I'm going to tell you guys the two Giuliani markets and you guys can both make your best guess about how they're priced right now. The first one is, will Rudy Giuliani face charges by December 31st? No. Yeah, I agree, no. And I have 200 shares in a certain position. You're in yes. So I messed up. This is like me thinking that Elizabeth Warren was going to be the next president of the United States. Let's not compare the two. I'm a penny per share on Rudy Giuliani facing charges by 1231. I've been totally Ben Carsoned in this market. What's it trading at? He's trading at five cents, yes. There's a 5% chance that Rudy Giuliani faces charges by the end of the year. The other Giuliani market is, will Giuliani get a pardon before the end of 2020? No. Why not? I mean, Uh, I understand why not, but... That one's trading at, how much is that trading at? That's currently at 14. Here's why. Here's why. They generally wait until the last second for the craziest pardons, like the day of January 20th. And that and Giuliani will be, that's a pretty gross one. So that's the distinction I'm talking about, Starley. It's not that Giuliani yeah, won't so, get a pardon. It's just that he won't be pardoned before the end of 2020. He'll be pardoned at the last second in January 21. That's trading at four cents, actually, not 14. What? Four. Will Trump pardon Rudy Giuliani before end of 2020? Oh, God. Yeah, I was looking at the price I paid for it. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, 2020 messing with your mind. You got your brain scrambled in 2020. Welcome to the fun house. That's what they should have called 2020. Welcome to the fun house. I damn, you're right. Damn, Charlie. <laughs> God damn, I'm really getting clobbered. I think I don't know. There, I don't. The Blackwater murderers. That's very gross. Pardoning his own, uh, his his daughter's father-in-law is very gross. It's, I think if Trump so nice. feels like pardoning <laughs> Giuliani before the end of the year, he will. I don't think it's more likely to happen than later, but I think it is a possibility. I think it's a four cent possibility. I think it probably won't happen. You're going to get in this market? Maybe. So you got four days. You got four days until it resolves. Okay, because what if there's a scenario, uh, like, so this week they're going to start overriding Trump's veto or working on him. So he's going to be doing all this erratic shit. Mm, um, power move. Yeah, or, or lashing out because they're um, challenging his authority. So um, we all know what he's going to do this week. You've just made it. Yeah, he could drop it on New Year's Eve. Yeah, that's you right, know. Starley. Actually, that you're making a good case. I'm not. Yeah. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to hold. If it's only at four cents, I'm going to hold. Yeah, hold. Let's just hold and see what happens. What are you going to do, Starley? Buy, I think you should buy, buy a thousand shares. Okay, I'll do that. Forty bucks. Woo! Yeah, I'll do that. And it would pay off huge. Yeah. Oh yeah. The re- I mean, the returns on these Giuliani markets. He should give me something in return for um, my years living under him as mayor. Like, now I feel retroactively right. traumatized by the fact that I had a madman uh, governing me. I knew he was crazy when he was a mayor of New York, but I didn't know he was this. Get some money from him. I should get some money. And the Trump the Trump self-pardon, I still feel like that's a distinct possibility. That's the mic drop. John, you, you're not convinced by that? That's the last thing he does? He pardons himself? No, I think that's a possibility. Oh, my gosh. That would be a wonderful payout for me. How much is that one going for? It's currently at 35 cents. 
I have 200 shares. I don't, I don't, I don't see how it's not going to happen. Why wouldn't he just do it to be safe? I mean, you have to look at the rules on that one. I think there's some specific rules. There's something funky about somebody has to approve it or something. Yeah, but and that it shows up at a particular place on the DOJ website, something to that effect. I don't care. I don't read the rules. I've never been one for following rules. Are the children on there? Is there a children? Is there a market for the children? No, there's not. The predicted is really biffing these pardon markets. I would be these would be my tweet markets, mm-hmm. and or these would be my VP markets. I'm putting it in language that John and Starley will understand as I <laughs> reference their two their mm-hmm. two favorite markets of all time. The pardon markets. If they had a Don Jr. pardon market or an Ivanka pardon market, I would be going total Long John Silver mode. I would be up all night drinking five hour energy drinks, trading on these markets because this is the stuff. I I love. I, I'm, I love family. I love. <laughs> I'm a fiend for family. Let me just say that. And I think this family is so interesting. And I think the way they, they express love and affection for each other is <laughs> is quite intriguing to me. And I would love to just play in these pardon markets. Of, and can you imagine anything more precious than a than a father pardoning his son for all crimes he may have committed or will commit in the future? Is it not more? Is it more touching than him a grandpa pardoning another grandpa? I know, Ivanka's kids. Like, <laughs> that's so incredible that one grandfather pardoned another grandfather. But that's, see, it's about role models. It's about family. It's about faith and family. And Paul Manafort's tweet after <laughs> Trump pardoned him, and Paul Manafort is like, we're going to have the best Christmas ever. Thank you so much, Mr. President. <laughs> oh, my God, you laugh to keep from crying. I know that sounds fucked up, but sometimes that's what we humans do. We laugh to keep from crying. But doctor, the clown said, I am the funny clown. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. That's what we're living through in 2020. You know what I'm talking about? It's from a famous opera. I mean, they are absolutely all going to have a New Year's party together. Everyone Trump's pardoned is going to be a Mar-a-Lago, maskless. All his friends he had to buy through pardoning them. God, that's so, that's sad. You know, when you're a kid and, and maybe you have a toy that nobody else has, but you're not good at making friends, so you invite everybody over to play with your Millennium Falcon that you just got. Yeah, like the girl on Pen15 Season 2. And it's it's this kind of hollow this hollow satisfaction because deep down you know that this is transactional and they're only at your house playing with you because you have that Millennium Falcon. And imagine that's your whole life is that feeling. I'd rather just have everyone be like, you know what, man, fuck you. I don't want to hang out with you. I don't care how many Millennium Falcons you have. You're a bum. I'm going over to John's house. And just, and I'd rather just be alone on my own terms than surrounded by friends who just love me for my stuff. And I can't believe I just said that because I'm spending $200,000 a month on guitar effects pedals. <laughs> but yeah, I just said that. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'll play with my toys by myself. That's the whole reason you get these pedals. So you don't need it. You don't need people to play music with. You get the looper. You get the delay. <laughs> Fuck a band. I am the band. You know, like wrap your mind around that, John Kimball. I don't need you anymore. I got my looper going. Clink, clonk, clonk, quick. Clink, clonk, clonk, quick. <laughs> lossless, motherfucker. It's a lossless looper. That means it never degrades. All right, John? Others degrade? (laughs) Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, if it's a tape delay or if it's a digital, you know, if it's supposed to degrade, it can degrade. If I want it to degrade, it will just just like everything else in my life, John. If I want it to degrade and fall to pieces, by God, it'll degrade and fall to pieces. (laughs) But if I want it to keep going over and over with no change, the same cycle without aberration forever and ever and ever in an endless Sisyphean loop, it'll do that too. You you, you have control over this? You've got control over what degrades and doesn't in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Wait, are you talking about my pedals or my real life? It's all the same. 
Your pedals are you. You are your pedals. I mean, I have different pedals that do different things, yeah. And in my regular life, I have different habits and compulsions and ways of being that also do different things. Could you have control over those? Well, you'd have to ask my therapist, Starley, because that's the kind of stuff I've been working on during 2020. <laughs> that's what I'm All you at. guys have been sitting at home watching <laughs> Wonder Woman 84. I've been trying to learn about myself so I can make healthy decisions and inform my future for a brighter tomorrow. Less loops. My therapist was like, David... Let's leave the loops in the pedals, David. (laughs) Oh, what if you had said that? I would have busted such a nut if my therapist had said that. John's falling asleep right now. I'm sorry, John. Is derogation good or bad? It's good on pedals, and it's good acoustically, but it can be very bad uh, psychologically in real life. Is it equally bad as looping? Like you said, the looping over and over, the same thing happening over and over again. That's bad. Your therapist says get away from that. In real life, that's, that's bad. But right. In, but in real life, is degradation also bad? Or are you supposed to like have things degrade in order to be able to move on to the next chapter? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Positive degradation. Ooh, I like that. I think basically now that I think about it, Sterling, this is very interesting, and this is going to be my spinoff podcast, or it's going to be my book. It's going to be my self-help book, and it's going to be called, oh my, oh, I just got goosebumps. I'm going to write a self-help book about how guitar pedals helped me learn how to be a better man and a better person. And it's going to be called, see, even John is nodding. Even John is nodding. Can't you imagine this being on Oprah's book club? It's called something like Granular Delay, colon, How Guitar Effects Pedals Taught Me Everything I Needed to Know About Being a Guy or something. And then I go through, and each chapter is about a different type of pedal. Mm -hmm. And then how I relate the lessons of that pedal or the model of that pedal to my own behavior and my own own life. That could be incredible. Starley could talk about the different types of loops. There are positive loops that are healthy, but there are also bad loops that are unhealthy that get you stuck. We could talk about positive decay versus negative decay. We could talk about reverb, filling a room, filling a grand hall with your pronouncements and your (laughs) self-actualization, right? We could talk about overdrive. When you're going into overdrive and you want that real overdriven tube sound, that warmth, you know, that energy, that that love, that lust for life, you know. Then we could talk about fuzz when you just want to be nasty and really crazy and gritty and you don't care whose shoulders you rub up against because you're in a fuzz. This is fuzzy February. And each chapter will be a different month of the year where you use that pedal and you learn like fuzzy February. Delay December. Will you put out a calendar? Yes, John, of course there'll be a calendar. You get a discount code for the calendar when you buy the book. <laughs> I'm so happy right now. I'm about to start crying. Starly, the ending of the book, the ending of the book is going to be so intense. It's, it's, like the fi- it's like the final line in the Tractatus Logico Philosophicus, and it's the first line that Andy from Reverb says when he does a pedal demo. The final chapter, you put all the pedals away. And you say, ladies and gentlemen, here's my clean tone. You've used all the pedals. You've gotten all the wisdom that you can get out of these pedals as tools, as metaphors, as instruments of self-expression and self-improvement. And then when the day is done, you unplug all the pedals, take out the jacks, turn off the amplifier, and it's just you and you're in your clean tone. No more shouting, no more yelling, no more echo, no more reverb, no more repeats, no more fuzz, no more overdrive, no more gain, no more boost, no more EQ, <laughs> no more bass synths, just you and your clean tone. I'm starting, I'm, Starly, I'm gonna write this fucking book. 
And this is a real idea, so nobody listening to this podcast better come within a thousand feet of this idea. <laughs> Dennis better stay away. Dennis, you stay away. All Dennis's who sent me pedals have to stay away. I appreciate your generosity, and they got me through this Christmas, but this is my <laughs> retirement fund. It's 2020. It's New Year's Eve. Everybody's looking for their hookup. It's a perfect time to revisit the election profit makers' misconnections. But these are not, we're not, these are not hookups. We're trying to build something more substantial here. So I'm going to assume going forward that if someone has signed their email with their name, we are allowed to use their name, but we will obviously not use last names. So let's start with this email from Sarah. Last week, you'll remember that we were stunned that we had two Kevins in the misconnection game. At that moment in time, fully 100% of our misconnection seekers were Kevins, except for our anonymous respondent. Sarah wrote in to say that she didn't think that was that crazy because one time she was starting a new job and all of the people that started at the same time as her were named Kevin, and there were four people starting the job. That means three of them were Kevins. I would have—I'm sorry, no offense to people named Kevin. I would have packed my bags and walked out of that office. If you show up for a job on the first day and three of the other people starting the job are named Kevin, something's up. Yeah. Anyway, Sarah says, I want to jump in on responding to misconnections. She says, I'm Sarah. I'm 23, and I'm a feminist. I live in New York City. I like roller skating and painting and reality television and election profit makers. Sarah says, something is calling me to respond to Anonymous's missed connection. That's this our is first. our original Anonymous, still getting connections thrown at her. Sarah says, if Anonymous is looking for a friend for a neighboring city, you can give her my info. All right, Anonymous, we already hooked you up with Lauren, but if you want another friend, we got Sarah in New York. She will be your friend. What do you think, John? Is that too many friends? No, that's fine. Starly, are you? Do you approve? Oh yeah, I'm totally on board with the friendship bracelet we are we are crafting. All right. And we also heard from anonymous. Oh my God, you're right. We did. Anonymous. First of all, I guess 23 year olds are are more lonely than I thought they were. Well, think about it. They've spent a year. You're tw- in your early 20s. I know. This is when you're supposed to be going crazy socially, and you lost a year of it to fucking COVID? You're right. Some old man like me, like, what do I care? I'm not doing anything. I'll go out and break my ankle probably, step on a crack the wrong way. But these 20-year-olds, <laughs> sucks for them. They should be clubbing and rubbing, and they're not. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's right, John. <laughs> Susan Orlean. That was my mid-20s, though. I was, I was starting to figure it out by then. Okay, so she, Anonymous writes, Hey, Election Profit Makers and Kevin 2.0. I can't lie. I feel like I'm taking a gamble here on another Kevin. Part of me thinks it's the same Kevin, but then I start getting too close to QAnon-type thinking and need to walk it back. It's like me with my Kevin conspiracies. Too many Kevins. Well, yeah. on. She's 23 and has no other outside influence but us, so she's now absorbing your way of thinking. Dangerous. After my whirlwind with Kevin 1.0, I did some thinking and have slowed my dating search down until I can actually meet people in person, the reality of being single during COVID. But after discussing with my personal misconnections expert, Lauren, from previous election profit maker connection making, so that means she, she and Lauren have been talking. Yeah, we connected Lauren and Anonymous via text, and now they're text buddies. But now Lauren is, like, advising her, which I like. Mm-hmm. I'm open to a Zoom date with Kevin 2.0. Oh! It's so exciting. Chicago is pretty far, and long distance is in my jam, but I'm willing to at least meet and give him a shot. Parentheses. Starla, you are young and vivacious, and we can absolutely refer to you as my older sister from now on, if you prefer that. I like that. Agreed, overbearing mother isn't great. We also heard from Kevin 2.0, by the way, who said, uh, note taken about overbearing mother, he also 
he he was happy for the feedback. It's all good with all Kevins. And I I I, I the, the Kevins are really good at taking feedback that they receive via a podcast. I um I commend them. So are you Starly, are yeah. you going to hook up anonymous with Kevin 2.0 so they can have a Zoom date? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I love it. Wow. I'm excited. Are you going to chaperone it? Mm, again, I'm not I'm not the mother, I'm the older sister. Did I ever tell you about the time when I moved to Boston and tried to start a chaperone agency? <laughs> what what did it entail? Uh, it's called Rock Solid Chaperones. And it was going to be basically a, it was actually a really good idea. It was kind of like a hipster chaperone agency. And I made this flyer for it and I was going to put it around at all the bars and stuff. It was just about how if you want to go on a date, you know, you meet someone through the personals, you don't know who they are, then I would just come along and like be your chaperone. And if you wanted to end the date, I would be like, hey, she's got to go or he's got to go. Time's up. You know, make sure nothing nothing happened. Rock solid chaperones, another business idea. Never went anywhere. We definitely not go anywhere now that we're in COVID and we can't go outside. It's a, real, it's a terrible time to start a chaperone business. I think I'm going to let them just have their Zoom call without me. All right. I, I think this is a really good development. Starla, you have another misconnection to read from Reagan. Yes. And so Reagan, Regan, R-E-G-A-N, you can tell me if I'm saying it wrong, uh, wrote, Hi, Starly, John, and David. I heard about the misconnection on the recent episode. I'm interested in connecting with Dan. Wow. I'm a 29-year-old woman living in the Pacific Northwest. I have been working in the arts nonprofits for many years and have a real love of culture, food, and traveling. At the beginning of the pandemic, my long-term partner of nine years broke up with me. Man, that's a cold move. So I never experienced online dating before. Thought this would be a fun, meet-cute story, especially since I trust your judgment, Starly. Dan had great answers to your good questions that were very sincere and genuine, which I like in a person. I agree. I thought his answers were really good. Uh, so I think I'll connect Regan with Dan. Dan, by the way, um, sent me a DM. You guys don't know this one yet. It's Starly. Thank you so much for advertising my hand in marriage on the pod. For what it's worth, I do kind of feel the need to defend my man, Dan Bunn. It's the product of not having my hair cut since the pandemic. David, I mean, you guys can relate to this. So it's really more a symbol of social responsibility than anything else. In a whoa, way, whoa, he flipped. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, wow, that's like saying a hacky sack represents social responsibility. In a way, it may very well have saved lives by limiting the spread of the virus. I wouldn't necessarily call myself a hero, but if others feel that term is appropriate in this case, I wouldn't stop anyone from using it. Hero. He's making a joke. Right. It's funny. It's good. <laughs> John's just here to cause trouble. This is our this is our New Year's Eve party. John Long, John Silver hit the punch. He's just causing trouble. Just ignore him. Yeah. What I find interesting, though, is right before we recorded last week's episode, David had said he might have to turn his hair into a man bun. If I go that route, well, uh, let me tell you my, so my hair is very long now. I haven't had my hair cut since February, since right before John and I went on the Jonathan Colton cruise. And I plan to not get it cut again until all of this quote unquote is behind us. So I'm dealing with a lot of hair right now. There's a man who owns a pizza restaurant in Florida who very kindly sent me a bunch of bumper stickers and a elasticized tennis-style hairband with the name of his restaurant, Satchels, emblazoned across it. That elasticized hairband has been very useful in keeping hair out of my eyes. I also have a woolen cap that I wear sometimes to keep the hair out of my eyes. 
And obviously, when I'm working on my electronics projects, I have my magnifying uh, illuminated uh, <laughs> lens, my magnifying goggles that I can wear to keep the hair out of my eyes. Mm -hmm. So I have not yet had to use a rubber band to contain my hair. When that day comes, as it surely will, the question is, will I have a man bun or a ponytail? And I mean, I have to say, I'm probably going to go ponytail. Uh, what kind of ponytail are you talking? What kind? Of, what? What? The what? sickest ponytail you've ever seen. Just the ultimate LA ponytail. I think you should just like kind of casually throw it on top of your head, not <laughs> like a full on. man bun, just like a messy ponytail I'm up never there. Never going to do that in a truly. I'll do that if somebody makes a $5,000 donation to Fair Fight. <laughs> then I will yeah. post a photo of me with a glorious man bun, but it's going to cost five stacks. So so we'll connect Regan and Dan. Oh, and also uh, Dan, I asked him where he lives. He's currently in Indiana, and his moving plans haven't totally solidified yet, but he'll probably be moving to New York. Indiana. I knew it. I knew he was close to Chicago. You did. You called it. Just felt it. All right, we got an email from old Sam Rowe. This guy and Calvin Coolidge go hand in mm -hmm. hand. When you hear the name Calvin Coolidge, you got to think of Sam. This guy wrote in. He's hoping to get on the EPM Misconnection bandwagon. Listen to what he wrote. I'm a 23-year-old. These 23-year-olds are— They're they are. They need connection. These 23-year-olds need human connection. I'm really—this really helps me understand the psychic cost that has been paid— by this demographic of people in their early 20s who were probably looking, they all probably got that fucking book, Richard Scary. Oh, the places you'll go when they graduated <laughs> college. They had the whole world ahead of them. And then Dr. Seuss is like, mm, on second thought, you're not going anywhere. Oh, the places you go, open the book, picture of a sofa, that's it. It's instead, it's Goodnight Moon for them. They didn't know Goodnight Moon was going to be the thing that actually <laughs> yeah, that's applied right. uh, to early 20s. Oh, the places you go, turn into Goodnight Moon. <laughs> <laughs> Sam says, I'm a 23-year-old recent college graduate from the Kansas City area. All right, Kansas City. Looking for a woman who is also an election profit maker's lover around my age. My interests include golf, history, and guitar. Hmm. I was hoping to ask David what is the best kind of pedal to use for someone who is interested in getting into the pedal scene. I'm looking for any pedal that someone is looking to give away or get rid of. Oh, so he wants a donation of a pedal. Thanks for the help and getting a young person interested in this old school internet messaging. Does he have to choose between wanting a pedal more or a match? Like a He's splitting the difference here, this Sam fella. It feels like he's trying to get he's he's going for a twofer. He wants he wants a life partner and a free pedal. I think he's got a priority. I would say any women I mean he might be a master deal maker. If you're in the Kansas City area and you like playing golf and guitar pedals, reach out. I'll introduce you to Sam. But he wants like a free pedal too. Yeah, all free pedals come to Kid Midas, Sam. You, you, you don't. Ho the, I'm, I'm the one who needs these free pedals. They've been giving me great satisfaction during these last few weeks. We give you an offering of the free pedal, and then in exchange, they get a life partner. That's a really good deal. <laughs> Speaking of pedals, while Starley has been enjoying triumph after triumph in her services as election profit makers matchmaker. I, Kid Midas, the original pedal Yenta, have struck out because last week's— oh, this, man, Paul, I feel for you, Paul. Paul's out here trying to swap a BBE Green Screamer pedal and an Elisa's MIDI Verb 2. And I'm saying this is a classic reverb unit because he wants to trade them both for a Delta Lab Effectron 2. Paul, it pains me to say we have had no offers and that you are still— seeking something that I'm afraid I cannot provide, and I don't seem to have the wherewithal or the connections or the listenership to provide what you are asking for. And I'm, I'm sorry, Paul. And I think what you should do 
is go on Reverb.com, and I'm sure you already know this, but you should list those two units on Reverb.com, sell them, and then once you have the money from those sales, then you should get in on that Delta Lab Effectron True. It would have been so exciting for me to coordinate and manage the exchange of pedals, an exchange that would benefit both parties, but I'm afraid it is beyond my gifts. And Paul, I apologize and I wish you the best. And I really hope you get the pedal you want because I know what it feels like to want a pedal and then to get that pedal. It's a nice feeling. It's a fun feeling. And we call that pedal passion. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just one more step towards the clean space. Here's my clean tone. Oh, my God, Starly, that book. (laughs) Wow, what a year. John and Starly, I'm really glad that we did the podcast this year because it was actually a social highlight of my week. And I'm so, so fucking glad that Donald Trump won. I mean, well, that he won at losing the, his re-election. I'm so glad that he lost re-election. Yes. I'm sure there's plenty of places on the internet you can go if you need him to have won. <laughs> That's true. I don't know if I would have been able to mark, if I would know even what month it was if we didn't do this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't know what day it was for sure. Absolutely. There were some sludgy times punctuated by moments of real sadness and fear. And um, everyone who's listening, uh, we made it through. And a lot of us are banged up and beaten up. But we made it through a really, really difficult year. And regardless of how you got through, you should feel good about that. Because this was a fucking challenge. And we were put in an inexcusable situation that was the direct result of malice and incompetence at the highest levels of multiple governments, but most acutely our own. And we fucking survived. And we looked out for each other. And we made decisions under difficult circumstances. And I just hope everyone knows that next year is going to be better. It's probably not going to be good. It's probably not going to be a good year, but it's going to be a better year. And we're just so glad and grateful that you joined us on getting through this year, otherwise known as, oh my, what a year, 2020. The sad fact of the matter is this year was such a disaster, there's no way to really articulate some uplifting monologue now that it's come to its end. We just wish everybody the best, and we sincerely thank you for joining us on this journey, which is not yet over, I will emphasize. We have no intention of stopping. The siren, one second. Sounds like it's on Mulholland Drive. (laughs) That's right. I live right on Mulholland Drive. Nice reference. Have you ever been to L.A., John? Yeah. I like it. John, 2021, EPM meetup in LA. It's going to happen. You heard it here first, election profit makers. We got we to have things to look forward to in 2021. So maybe we'll have a Los Angeles meetup and John Kimball will fly out here from North Carolina once that's a safe decision and we can have a meetup on the West Coast for all our West Coast people. That would be wonderful. That'd be great. Let's put that on our fantasy calendars for 2021. We're going to have a Mulholland Drive themed meetup. That'll end well. Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. We still have a relationship with Predictit.org, and I love it. Go to Predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20. Receive up to $20 in matching funds. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And subscribe to the show so you can get the show as quickly as possible. You can support us at Patreon.com slash Election Profit Makers. 
You can send your election prediction questions or post-election prediction questions or transition questions or cabinet position questions or love connections to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. Did you mention the URL, davidreesrecords.bandcamp.com? Before we leave this amazing New Year's Eve party that we've all been enjoying together, I need to mention that one thing that happened in COVID, and I mentioned it earlier, I teased it earlier, but now I'm ready to make my official announcement. Friends, my album is about to come out. That's right, your boy Kid Midas, recording under the name David Reese, created a concept album about living through one of the worst summers ever, the summer of 2020. The album title, You Ain't Going Nowhere. I figured that was an appropriate title for this album. Now, of course, because I'm a fiend for tape recorders, the album is going to be officially released on cassette via my friends at Flower Sounds Records. I think that link will be up in the next couple weeks. Flowersounds.bandcamp.com. Limited edition cassette, 100 numbered copies. And then um, if you want the digital copy, it's going to be on my Bandcamp page, which I think will have launched by the time you hear this episode, if not shortly thereafter. So go to davidreesrecords.bandcamp.com and hit refresh until you see the incredible album art for You Ain't Going Nowhere, Notes from a Bad Summer, a concept album by David Reese. This record was made with a lot of um, modified electronic instruments that I bought at Swap Meets right before COVID hit. So it's got a lot of bleeps and bloops and a lot of, just a lot of sounds and textures. It's contemplative and abrasive. It's a very, very, in a way, personal document of this unusual summer. I hope you'll give it a listen. I hope it, I hope you will enjoy it. Can I, can I listen without having to enjoy it? Yeah, yeah. You can listen without enjoying it. I'm sure you won't be the first person to listen without enjoying it. (laughs) But may all who enjoy it also listen to it. That's my one wish. How about that? Yeah. And we'll set up a bit.ly link for you, too. Oh, thank you, John. I would really appreciate that. We'll start with bit.ly slash David Reese Records. This is a pretty good New Year's Eve party, I guess. Bye, guys. Bye. Goodbye, John. See you next year, as they say. Oh, classic zinger. 